Live from Beyond the Beltway, this is Jeannie Ives sitting in for Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary in the first hour by Chris Cleveland, conservative Republican, former head of the Chicago Republican Party. Alan Skillicorn, he's a libertarian. Alan Skillicorn is a former state representative from Illinois and now resides in Arizona where he is active in politics. Professor Bill Enright, Bill is a political science professor at the College of DuPage. And Greg Hines, Greg is the political reporter for Crane Chicago Business and politically an independent. Our program tonight is coming to you from our home base, AM 560, The Answer, WIND Radio in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Our phone lines are open now at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. Well, gentlemen, we have a lot to discuss tonight. Since last Sunday's program, Katie Hobbs has beat Carrie Lake in the Arizona governor race. Alan, you may, have to, may disagree with that, but apparently it looks that way. The Republicans have secured a narrow victory in the U.S. House. The Senate will remain in Democrat control. And to no one's surprise, Donald Trump officially announced he's running for president in 2024. The country arguably remains very politically divided, even as exit polls suggest agreement among a supermajority of respondents on the direction of the country and the economy, and that being that they're both headed in the worst bad direction. So... Every day since the election, we have had new analysis come out as to what happened. We are going to cover that, plus a lot of other things, like Nancy Pelosi is now going to be stepping out of leadership. I'd like to talk about the FTX scandal. There's so much to talk about. But, Greg, let's open it up with you. According to exit polling done by Edison Research for ABC, CBS, CNN, and NBC, voters gave Republicans a net favorability rating of minus uh, eight, and that means that they were 44% favorable, 52% unfavorable, and Democrats an almost identical net favorability rating of minus nine, 44% favorable, 53% unfav. I'd like to know, first of all, who they're polling. I've never been polled coming out of the, you know, I've never been polled coming out of an ex, uh, uh, voting. But what does this say? That voters don't like either of the party. Did they just go to their tribes and vote that way, Greg? Um, in some cases, yes, Jeannie. I've never been polled either, by the way. <laughs> um, but one of the aspects of the uh, of uh, this election that I thought hasn't received enough attention <clears throat> is that while Republicans didn't do as well as history suggests they might have, <clears throat> given that this is an off-year election, given the unpopularity of uh, Joe Biden, um, in much of the country, blue states became bluer and red states became redder. And there's <clears throat> some exceptions about that. Uh, on both sides, uh, and most notably up in New York State, where, <clears throat> which is about as blue as you can get when the Democrats had a meltdown. If they had uh, performed as they usually do, uh, Nancy Pelosi might well still be speaker, but they didn't. Uh, but indeed, I think I think people are not terribly happy, um, uh, and they're not terribly happy with the options they've been offered, so they kind of bumped things in the middle, which is, which is split the baby. Uh, everybody's got a little power. Nobody's got a lot of power. Uh, very good. Okay, uh, looking to you, Professor. You you studied poli sci. You teach poli sci. What is this? I mean, you've been following elections for a long time. 
Uh, what, what's your prognosis of what happened in the midterms here? Yeah, well, I do sort of agree that, you know, the red states got redder and the blue states got bluer. And apparently there was at least some issues that were brought to the top of the race, and most likely part of it was abortion, and certainly things that are going on in the economy were brought up. And so I would guess that those two things probably played a pretty large role in how people voted in especially the state races, and then also, you know, you get to the, like the U.S. Senate races, as close as some of those were, I wouldn't be, <clears throat> sorry, I wouldn't be surprised if that was also like issues that people were concerned about, either abortion or the economy. Okay, so cultural issues kind of came up to the forefront. What about crime, Chris Cleveland? I mean, you look at Chicago, the entire governor's race was essentially a referendum on crime, and it didn't happen, it didn't work. Uh, and in fact, even at the, in the state house in this state, uh, the seats were lost by Republicans who were already in the super minority. They also had this big issue about crime. It did seem to maybe resonate with the four congressional seats that flipped in New York. It didn't happen in Chicago. Not at all. And, 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 and the, the issue here with crime is that it was very uneven. It pulled unevenly across the state. In Chicago, people were very concerned about it. Although that even varied from neighborhood to neighborhood. I mean, the most dangerous neighborhoods, of course, are the most concerned about it. But it did not pull that strongly in places outside of Chicago or downstate where crime may have ticked upward, but we don't have the extremely liberal prosecutors who are letting people out on the street, and we don't see the volume of car carjackings and whatnot. So, I mean, it was, certainly was a, a useful issue for uh, Darren Bailey, but it, it wasn't enough. And um, it didn't really resonate everywhere the way it should have. Okay, Alan Skillicorn, you see, sit in a unique position. You're in Arizona, so you kind of had a first uh, row, you know, first row seat to what was going on in the Cary Lake Katie Hobbs governor's race. Which, um, as far as I mean, everybody has called it for Katie Hobbs. There, uh, that seems to be. I mean, maybe Cary Lake's going to test it. We can get into that a little bit further. Uh, but but let's be honest here. There's many who are saying that if you were that rabid of a Trump supporter as Carrie Lake was, and if you were that rabid on election denial, that it really kind of hurt you. Is that what happened in Arizona? I think it's much more complex than that. Okay. Uh, this is uh, a situation where the polls are wrong. Uh, we have a uh, we have a mass mail-in ballots now, and we have a situation where. Uh, who is a likely voter and who is a registered voter when you poll them? Uh, when you have ballots that are mailed out, uh, that's a lot this difficult to uh, to determine. That that fine line is not there like it used to be. So it, it is much harder to determine that. Uh, but then also, if you look at, there was a strategy for uh, Trump supporters, and two years ago, Trump said that you should vote on election day. You shouldn't trust the mail. Uh, when you have a primarily a, a mail-in election and you have all these uh, conservative Republicans that are waiting to election day to, to vote. And then you have uh, a third of the polling places are down because of our printer error. Uh, there's a lot of people that trended very Republican that ended up going home. Lines are very long. Uh, I know that Carrie Lake campaign sued uh, to get the uh, voting hours extended two hours, but that judge denied that. Um, literally, I saw uh, I, in my local polling place, I saw dozens of people go home uh, across the voting centers, across the uh, Maricopa Valley. Uh, I'm sure thousands of Republican or lean Republican voters went home instead of voting. And, you know, that is real voter suppression. So there's a little bit of a case there. Now, how do you prove that? How do you quantify the numbers? 
uh, that's much more difficult. Uh, but literally, uh, you had a, an election that was probably closer than the polls uh, indicated. Uh, and then when you have 100,000 Republican voters uh, not vote because of long lines and other problems at the, at the polling places, uh, you know, that's how you get a, a, a basically almost a clean sweep of the statewide candidates for the Democrats in Arizona. Okay, we are at a break right now. Coming back after this break, we're going to pick up that conversation where Alan left it off because I want people's response to whether or not that was really the reason that Carrie Lake lost. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana and vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back. This is Beyond the Beltway. This is Jeannie Ives sitting in for Bruce Dumont with Bill Enright, Professor of Political Science, Chris Cleveland, former GOP chair in Chicago, Alan Skillicorn residing in, in Arizona and a political activist and former state legislator, and Greg Hines with Crane's Chicago Business. He is their political writer. We just left off before the break with Alan Skillicorn explaining that, honestly, it was probably more the ground game and what happened with mail-in voting that created a Katie Hobbs' victory over Carrie Lake than anything else. But I want to read to you a little bit from the Wall Street Journal. They say Ms. Hobbs framed the election as an effort to save democracy. And she's the chief administrator of the state's elections. They say that, you know, she was a former social worker, Arizona state senator, where she served as a minority leader, and that she ran a more muted campaign. She wasn't so out there. Um, uh, so, and apparently, according to their polling, 96% of Democrats, nearly two-thirds of independents, and 11% of Republicans, according dat to data from AP VoteCast survey of Arizona voters who participated, voted for Katie Hobbs in that election. It is kind of interesting because they have a divided situation. They have a, now a Democrat governor. They still retain control of the state legislature. So something went on. And uh, it, it's, is it, is it, was it the ground game or is it, was it the personalities of the two candidates and people's, re, you know, embracement of this idea that democracy was on the ballot? I, I, don't, I didn't buy that, but, I mean, did, did voters buy that? Chris Cleveland, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think differently about these things. They say in the military that amateurs talk about tactics and professionals talk about logistics. I think we really need to talk about the logistics of the election. Over the last several years, there have been a great many changes in election law. We just don't vote the same way we did in the past. And all of them have been driven by the Democrats. Most of them have been legitimate in some way, but all of them just happen to have favored the Democrats <laughs> in small ways. So, for example, we've moved toward the mail-in voting, and they have greater means to, to exploit that. We've got same-day registration. We had motor voter a few years ago. We've reduced the ID requirements. In Chicago, there's been a number of different things where they make it more difficult for Republicans to put in election judges and instead dominate every polling place by Democrats. It's become more and more complex. Now, you can look at any one of these individual things and say, well, you know, that doesn't account for many votes. But cumulatively, it really does. I mean, very simply here, I mean, in, in Illinois, you have to have same-day registration in every polling place, but that it, in Chicago... But not outside Chicago. So in Democrat areas, it's easier to vote same day. But in Republican areas, it's, it's not as easy to do it. Um, in, you know, in, in, in the Cook County Jail here in Chicago, they distribute ballots. They bring the, 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 the detainees out. They encourage them to register to vote. So you've got Democrat precinct captains basically acting, or you've got public employees acting as Democrat precinct captains. Meanwhile, they don't do anything like that for the military vote. Okay. All right. So, so you make a good point that they're able to pull their voters out. So they're, uh, they, they basically chase ballots rather than maybe voters, so to speak. But uh, Greg, l let's look at this. Do, do you see it as more of a contest of, of vitriol and seriousness on policies? And it, Carrie Lake was very out there. I mean, she went after the media. You're part of the media. I'm sure that bothers you. Jeannie, I think this is a case where there's a little bit of truth here and a little bit of truth there. It's not, uh, it's not wholly one thing. Um, uh, 
election deniers, uh, as they're called, people who say that, uh, okay. <clears throat> that Trump uh, didn't lose. Let me just um, weigh in on that real quick here. Rasmussen reports that 52% of likely U.S. voters believe it is at least somewhat likely that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 presidential. So a majority of voters, but go ahead. Okay, well, I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure what Rasmussen came up with. I haven't seen that poll, but what I was going to say is that uh, candidates all over the country who campaigned primarily on, I'm with Trump, he got screwed, he didn't lose, they lost. So it didn't just happen in Arizona. It was part of a national phenomenon. And, and maybe the lines were a little longer in Arizona than they were someplace else. Uh, but uh, but it happened all over the country, which which tells me that there is something to the notion that, and that the way she pitched it and uh, the degree to which she tightened the rhetoric offended a significant number of voters. <clears throat> Point one. Point two. I don't see how you can be against the notion that it ought to be easy to vote in this country. It shouldn't be hard to vote in this country, providing you, you jump through the hoops. Now, maybe there should be more national regulations to control it, and so that it's the same everywhere. It's the same in Utah as it is in Chicago. It's the same in Springfield as it is, as it is in Los Angeles. But the Republicans in Congress didn't want to do that. Uh, they wanted to let states have complete discretion. Well, you know, certain if they have states with the complete discretion, some are going to do a fine job, some are going to mess up. Um, third point: down in Brazil, they had a big election very recently, um, and it went very well. And it was, and they had the results within like nine hours, and it was all electronic, which means there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it easy, uh, but but we we've not got our act together here. Uh, uh, I think the ship has is clearly sailed with the American public. A lot of people like now to vote at home and by mail. Uh, they don't want to have to truck all, go down to precinct polling place. And they don't want to have to stand in line and maybe get sick. They want to do it at the kitchen table, and that's not going to change. So the question is, let's accept that reality and add the, the requirements and the guideposts and the regulation that we need to make sure it goes down fast. One way to do that is to allow jurisdictions mm -hmm. to get mail ballots in in quantity early to start processing them early so we're not counting two weeks later. This, this idea that you don't know two weeks later is really kind of silly. We, we need to get beyond that because it is going to reduce confidence in, in elections eventually to zero. Oh, absolutely. So uh, speaking to that issue, Bill, uh, you know, if you want to look at a place that, you know, counted the votes and had a result, it was Florida. Yeah. Florida had an overwhelming result. And by the way, overwhelmingly elected uh, DeSantis, who uh, was probably as Trumpian as you could get in many regards, especially when it came to policies. So so what gives here? What's your, what's your assessment of all that? Yeah, going back to Florida, I would say that certainly DeSantis, who, like, he was just so popular in Florida for all the things that he did, like, around COVID. Like, I think the people in Florida were, you know, supportive of what his actions there. And then also, you know, as far as taxes and things like that, the Floridians wanted to try to keep things, uh, you know, conservative as far as taxes, not get too much government going. And for sure, that's, like, resonated throughout Florida. Which, by the way, speaking of, you mentioned military. Jeannie, I thank you for your military service, oh, thank you. with it being November. And, of course, DeSantis is in the military, too. And so I think some of those things really do come back and resonate <clears throat> with, uh, with the voters. 
And, you know, one thing I would say, though, about the election and making a lot of changes to, like, the election process, and I remember reading this Wall Street Journal article about it, you know, back when we were getting some of these changes, and they were actually saying this may backfire on the Republicans because the Republicans are putting in all these changes that maybe people aren't going to be familiar with and maybe people aren't going to be prepared for, and then they showed up for the for voting in, in Arizona and possibly got turned away because there was already things that had slowed it down in the first place. Well, we're going to stick with this topic just a little bit longer. So, Alan, I mean, b back to the whole question. I mean, you, you, t you spoke to ground game already, but was there something in the tenor that resonated more with Arizona voters? And wh where, do you, where do you register them? Are, are they purpley? What, what, what is the deal? I mean, uh, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Doug Ducey before... I mean, he put in the most uh, uh, progressive, well, actually not progressive, but I would say the, the biggest change in education by going fully funded uh, educational scholarships to anybody regardless of income level, is that going to get reversed under a Katie Hobbs administration? I mean, where do they stand on the issues? Where do Arizonans stand on this? Well, the uh, Republican legislature, which is only a, a single uh, vote uh, majority in both chambers, uh, is going to be a check and balance uh, for Katie Hobbs. But you know, as we know, the executives, uh, they have power to appoint. Uh, you know, they can put people in charge of that, uh, that ESA program that are anti-ESA. So that's going to be an issue there. Uh, and there's, you know, this is two sides of the, of the same coin here. Uh, so Arizona, those residents might be tired of the election issue. I mean, don't forget Arizona Senate had an audit of the 2020 election. Uh, it's been in the newspapers like every single day for two years. Uh, maybe there is a, a component of the, of the people that are tired of this. Uh, but don't also forget that the uh, Maricopa uh, Republican Party uh, sent out a golden ticket with the recommendations of Republican candidates that said across the top, vote on election day. Uh, and that's why you had, you know, there was over 200,000 people that showed up on Election Day. And, and again, I still add, there could be 100,000 people that were turned away on Election Day, and 100,000 votes would have changed this election dramatically. And, and I'm looking at the details here. It doesn't look like Maricopa County has all the ballots counted as of yet. Uh, so there's still a couple thousand ballots that are still remaining. That's not going to change the results at all. But that just gives you an idea that the system that they're using here uh, is not working well. Uh, you're talking about some, you know, the bureaucrats, the elected and elected officials that uh, did not uh, have this uh, very well organized. I'm not so sure that this was a, a corrupt system, but corrupt, uh, corrupt and incompetence, they have a, a little bit of a similarity, don't they? Uh, so you could have an electorate that is tired of the election issues, uh, but you also have, you know, significant issues of, of how Republicans organize. Uh, how they drove the get out the vote program, mm -hmm. uh, and then how it was actually administered. Um, so okay. it is complex. Uh, and and again, the polls. I mean, we we thought this was going to be a red wave, and frankly, Joe Biden has been one of the most successful midterm presidents ever uh, because he, I mean, they only oh, lost. Uh, okay, you know, Democrats lost. The All right, Alan. Alan, we're coming up to a hard break. When we get back from the break, we're going to first go to Brian, Northwest Side of Chicago. He wants to share his thoughts on why the GOP lost. Again, uh, if you want to call in, you can do that, 1-800-723-8289. And we're going to get to Speaker Pelosi and her replacement after we take Brian's call. Thank you for joining me. Uh, 
Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening. And they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Okay, welcome back. It's Jeannie Ives here on Beyond the Beltway. And uh, we're finishing up this last segment of this hour. First, we're going to take Brian's call from northwest side of Chicago. He wants to share his thoughts on why the GOP lost. Well, they didn't lose everything. They may have lost in this state, but they actually won the House, Brian. Go ahead. Thanks for taking my call, Jeannie, and thank you for your service. Thank you. I'm a, I work in the nuclear power industry, so I basically travel about uh, 30 states every week dealing with uh, uh, power issues. So I get to be a wide, diverse crowd. And the reason I wanted to call you is, you know, for me, inflation was a big deal. Um, 
Our borders were a big deal. Fentanyl was a big deal. But what I have found traveling the country, and and granted, I deal with people that are the chief nuclear officer who's making two million dollars a year, to the guy who's coming in doing a training making you know thirty thousand dollars a year. Is there was a multitude of issues, and depending on what hit the voter is what the key was. So let me expound on that. Um, the women's rights. I think that was a big deal. I think it was a mistake. I, although I'm an independent, I'm pro-choice. The second thing was um, college credit. In my opinion, Biden was trying to buy votes with, with college credit, and the younger people got bought into that. And what I found throughout the country is that we are so divided on so many different issues that it, depending on you know where you're at in the level of education, it's all over the place. So for me, like I said, my key five or six issues, they weren't even close to some people that were down in Florida that were worried about, uh, you know, people taking away Social Security. I mean, that was a big one that they, they hyped up the uh, the Republicans. And the second thing is, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, election deniers. You know, when when is it a problem that you can question election? I'm not a denier. All I can tell you is there was... In that State Farm arena, when the toilet leaked, there were some issues. Um, when I was in Wisconsin talking to us, I'm sorry. No, that's, that's uh, yeah, uh, close it up, Brian. Brian, that's very good. Very good comments here. Yeah, and, and when I was in Wisconsin, I was told that there was 100% um, voting at, a, at an old folks' home, which was normally 70%. Now, I'm not a denier. All I'm saying is, listen, can we just look into it and answer me some questions? Yeah, if I could get some questions, some answers, I would feel better. But I'm not a denier. I just think there was some odd things going on that I got a concern on. And Brian, finally, thank you. Okay, I'm one sorry. more point, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, and Biden's by not far the best president. I mean, the fact that he had people hiding his Hunter Biden's laptop, I think that's going to be a, a big issue, and I think that's going to hurt him down. Uh, going into the future, and I hope the Republicans investigate him. Once again, Jeannie, thank you for your service, and thank you for taking my call. Brian, that was an excellent call. You bring up a lot of good points. A lot of these races come down to individual candidates and individual spots and how they run their campaign and what the issues are for their constituents. That's what matters. That's what gets people elected or not elected. I mean, certainly that's that explains in part the four winners in New York again, who beat, um, you know, and including taking out the DCCC um, chairman. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that, that's, that's remarkable. But you're right, it comes down to how well those individuals run their campaigns and resonate with voters. I appreciate your call on that. Uh, on the election denial thing, I, I've always said, and, and, you know, hey, they changed state election laws using federal courts. Like, can we not all agree that that was outside the Constitution? Now, you may not want to accept it or not. That's, that's just the truth. So there was some unlawfulness to those happening. Did it change? You know, maybe that should have been looked into a little bit further. But I, I'd like to talk to Greg Hines here because we were talking earlier about this a little bit, Greg, on the phone, and we brought up the fact that I'd called you to come on the show right when Nancy Pelosi was announcing that she was stepping down. So, I mean, you, you've, you know, you've got, wow, she's 82. James Clyburn, who's in leadership, he's 82. You got Steny Hoyer from Maryland. He's 83. I think it was time for a new leadership change maybe a few years ago. And it looks like Hakeem Jeffries, 52 New Yorker, is going to possibly 
take over the, the House, um, the House Minority Leadership, at least. What What, what do you think is going to happen? Rob, I think he is from uh, the latest I've heard, uh, which is a pretty smart move on their part for the reason uh, you just talked about. Um, most of the country, I don't have anything against uh, people who are 80 years old. I'm uh, <laughs> uh, not there yet, but it's uh, around the bend close enough that uh, I don't want to knock people who are 80. Um, but uh, um, it's it's not good for the Democrats to have the Speaker of the House uh, and uh, the President uh, all be ancient, um, <clears throat> raising questions about their ability. So I think that the fact that that uh, they're bringing in Jeffries and he, from what I'm hearing, he, he's he's a lock. He's going to get it. Is very smart, particularly if the if the presidential contest turns out to be uh, a Trump, an, another old guy against uh, against Biden. It it, uh, it offers something in a kind of intangible but very feelable way uh, to the rest of the country. Well, that's because he'll have a fairly big voice. And let's, I mean, I, I think maybe most people forget, but Mr. Jeffries was the top House Democrat negotiator with also um, Congressman Doug Collins from Georgia and President Trump to produce the criminal justice bill that reduced mandatory minimum sentences. So, oh, I'm not saying that he. I'm not saying that he's not a Democrat, and uh, for good or bad, with with all the baggage and good that brings with, he is. All I'm saying is the optics of having a generational change at this particular situation, where everybody else who's high up in the game is mm -hmm. very old, I think are good. Oh yes, and and I, my point is is that he can say, well, you know, if Trump were to be the nominee, which I think we should go into very quickly, we have five minutes left in the segment, and we're going to get to that. I want to hear everybody's uh, opinion of that. Very, uh, but uh, my point is, is that he worked with Trump. He crossed, he crossed the lines to work with them. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Chris, what's your thoughts on that very quickly? Well, Hakeem Jeffries, curiously, is an election denier. He has a whole series of tweets <laughs> in which he said that Trump was not elected in, in 2016. He would never be legitimate, no matter what he did. And he went on and on about that. But you know what? No one really engaged in the kind of character assassination of him that Republicans get when they suggest that, hey, there might have been a problem with previous elections. So they're certainly going to have to talk about Hakeem Jeffries' view of the 2016 election. Well, here's, here's another thing on that. Uh, Jeffries also decried the Senate filibuster as dripping in racist history in defense of sla slavery and Jim Crow. But the congressional record shows that Democrats have used the Senate filibusters far more than Republicans. The Democrat caucus has voted to sustain filibusters 15,579 times since 1989. So uh, he also bought into the Russian collusion story wholeheartedly. So it will be interesting. We're back to like the divided politics. Um, very quickly here, Professor, do you think his, his you know, taking over leadership, does that change things dramatically? And the divisiveness that you see between the Republicans and Democrats, are we going to get anything done for the American people? Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to get things done. And, of course, the Senate's still going to be probably 50-50, maybe 51-49. But either way, it's going to be difficult to get anything out of the House because also you're going to have those two different sides where you're going to have some very conservative Republicans, maybe more moderate Republicans that can't agree on anything either. So I think either way it's going to be difficult. Okay, we've, we've got uh, about three minutes left, and I think this is a really important topic. Trump announced. <laughs> Trump announced. I mean, I don't know that any of us were probably surprised because we've kind of followed this stuff. I'm certainly not surprised. Uh, Alan, is this good 
or bad for the Republican Party? Will Donald Trump make it to the end? What is your prediction on all this? Well, I don't know about a prediction, but I will tell you that Donald Trump has expanded the Republican base. I mean, now blue-collar workers, uh, you've got uh, you know, larger numbers of Hispanics. Uh, it has just cha- really changed the Republican Party. And the fact is, is that, you know, other than a few of the, the Cheney neocons, most Republican Party is now anti-war and the Democrats are pro-war. Uh, and it's just changed everything. Uh, so if this kind of holds together... And if, uh, if Trump finds this a point in time where you know he isn't just uh, you know attacking people, making fun of people, people take him seriously, uh, he could change the Republican Party for the better. Uh, you know, I also look to the future. You know, he this new uh, red wave, this new America First movement, uh, is a, you know something that is of Republicans of the old um, before the neocons took over, and I think this is just a, a big benefit. Um, you okay. know, the current Congress. What's wrong with a little deadlock? I, I think that that's great. I think the, the voters, right? the market certainly like the idea of a deadlock. The only thing that worries me is that there's still a majority of uh, Democrats and a partial Republican Party that want to keep blowing money in Ukraine, uh, and, the, and then the Democrats going to go along with that. That does okay. bother me. But right. I, you know, I don't know if a, if a, uh, a, Alan, a budget Alan, is going to be I'm going to interrupt here. I just want to jump quick to, to Greg. Greg, tell me your, your impression of this. I mean, what's wrong with saying America first? What's wrong with that? And what do you think about Trump getting in? <laughs> Good or bad for the Republican Party for Trump to be in the fight and have a fight? Well, let's just start You've with got the reality. 45 seconds. In the, in the last two elections here in Illinois, uh, Donald Trump has lost the state by roughly a million votes each time. Um, if, you're, if you're Chris Welch, if you're J.B. Pritzker, if you're Don Harmon, yeah, go get him. Boy, we'd love to have you head of the ticket because it'll help us here. Um, uh, uh, if you talk to people in the Republican Party, as I did last week, who hold senior positions, uh, Jim Durkin, the outgoing leader of the state house, uh, Dan Cronin, the DuPage County board chairman, <clears throat> um, even you to some degree, uh, there's a distinct lack of enthusiasm uh, for Trump, at least in this state, because of exactly that reason. Uh, that suggests to me that, uh, that uh, you want to get what the good part of Trump without getting Trump himself, because the message may be right, but the messenger is it, it's compromised. Um, okay, you know, hey, Greg. Alan is right that the, one of the thought that the, that the Republicans have picked up much of the blue-collar base that used to be in the Democratic Party, but at the same time, the Democrats have picked up much of the college-educated suburban vote that used to be in the Republican Party. They've had a realignment along populist, yep. non-populist lines. Okay, I want to thank Greg. Ways. Greg, we're cutting off here. I want to thank you so much for being on this first hour. You are very enjoyable. I really appreciate you coming on. We'll be back with you Going shortly. Going back to school as a working adult does mean you have to sacrifice a high quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, a kind of exclamation you can eat. 
Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So talk, they hear you. You can do it if you try. Okay, we're back with Beyond the Beltway. Uh, Greg, you are still on with us. Thank you for that commentary on Trump. I mean, I think you're right. Finding the right messenger, finding the right person, uh, you know, that's not Trump. Uh, but let's go to Chris. You've got some thoughts about Trump as the nominee. Um, will that happen again? Well, well, Greg's absolutely right about, you know, a million voters in, in Illinois. But it's not the same elsewhere. Trump is a mixed bag. I mean, he's, he's unquestionably objectively did well as president. He had a very muscular foreign policy. Our economy was in good shape. He run, went the right way on regulation and a great many other things. But on the other side, just personally, a lot of people who worked for him can't stand him now. Uh, Bill Barr turned on him. Mike Pence turned on him. And only in the last two weeks, uh, a number of publications have said, well, you know, maybe we should look for somebody else. New York Post, Washington Times, Wall Street Journal. Um, he's lost Victor Davis, Davis Hanson, he's lost Candace Owens, he's lost Laura Ingram. Um, all of them are saying, well, you know, maybe the personality is, is a little too much. And, and I think the real motivation here is that we've got an alternative now. Or we've, we've had mul we have multiple alternatives. We sure do. I mean, we've, we've, DeSantis is a good choice. Ted Cruz is a good choice. There's been any number of others who will be just as solidly conservative. The, the big political question, though, is are they going to appeal to the to the new base that we have 
which is white working class voters and, and Hispanics. Can they help with that demographic? I don't know that they can. Well, that's interesting because in the 2022 elections, one thing that the exit polls do tell us so far, and, and by the way, you're, you're a political science professor. I'm sure that this is going to be one of the most studied midter midterms ever oh, yeah, in our no history, right? It. There's there's so much to talk about here because it defied all the odds. It defied uh, the president's polling being below 43%. I mean, in, in 94, uh, w when it was that case, um, you know, they picked up 54 seats. And in 2010, when the, when the, the president's polling was right around 40%, they picked up 64 seats. Here, you're going to have a, 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 you know, you're going to maybe gain a, an advantage of five seats. In the end, 222. Uh, it looks like it'll be to 213 seats. In, uh, but so, so, so my question here is, is does, does, should we have this fight in the primary? Isn't that what primaries are about? Why can't Republicans just fight it out in the primary and then settle it? Yeah, well, one other thing just to point out also is that I think Donald Trump will be 78 when he's running for president. And so, of course, Joe Biden was 78, and Joe Biden plans on running for president again. From what we understand, he'll be 82 years old. And talking about Nancy Pelosi being 82, it's really a hard job. And you've got these people who are, you know, in their 80s or close to their 80s. So that's difficult. And then, of course, that's what the primaries are for, to decide who is going to be their leader, but uh, you know, with the with the primary, I I haven't seen like a lot of polling since the election. But prior to the election, I think Trump was up sixty percent of Republicans were going to vote for Trump, and unless there's like a huge swing in that, which I don't think that there is at this point, I would imagine that he would be the nominee. Oh wow! So Greg, uh, let let's talk about that. I would say that the Republicans do have a deep bench. We've had really fantastic governors uh, for the most part, uh, if, if COVID lockdowns in, <coughs> is any indication, uh, and also other um, um, on the economy as well. Uh, Republican governors tend to do better on that, uh, more fiscally stable. What, do what is the Democrat base? I mean, I'm sorry, the, what's a Democrat bench look like for president? Um, assuming Biden doesn't run? That's right. Uh, you have you have, you have uh, Kamala Harris, the sitting vice president, who uh, has not ha exactly had a, uh, a distinguished uh, couple of years, but uh, she's still the sitting vice president. Um, uh, the guy I keep an eye on is uh, Mayor Pete, uh, U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who has uh, in one of the enviable positions of, uh, you could ever have in politics. He's going around the country handing out checks. If there's a good way to make people get you, that's it, on infrastructure for roads and whatever. Um, and, uh, uh, those are just those are just two that pop, uh, pop into my head uh, off the top. So you didn't there's name you didn't name Gavin Newsom or um, uh, the the, the reelected uh, Gretchen Whitmer from uh, Michigan. You did not name. Because I, I think, think governors I, make I think really Whitmer good. I think of that, and I and mm -hmm. I had J.P. Pritzker into that too, because he's clearly kicked some tires. <clears throat> I think Whitmer is, is worth watching. Um, she has turned around what was a, a purple state and made it solidly blue. <clears throat> um, she got the governor's mansion. Uh, they have total control of the legislature there now. Um, she uh, played the abortion card very skillfully. Um, she has a personal story to tell about how she stood up for our our state and did what was needed to be done, even though people were planning to kill me. Um, I would keep an eye on her. Okay, so does policy not matter anymore? Is this 
the politics of personality and not the politics of policy. Greg? Policy, all, policy always matters, but people, voters, they don't have the time or the inclination or the interest to drill down for, for, the, for the most part in policy kinds of considerations. It's abortion stuff uh, lately is an exception to that. People, people relate much better to people and they want to look the person in the eye and see them debate and, and say, well, I like that person I don't see. I don't like that person. Um, I think that is, for good or bad, that's far more important to most voters than where you stand on all these issues out there. Okay. Well, I, I think, we, you know, closing it out here in this last hour, um, you know, if you're talking about personality, looking people in the eye, and a combination of good policy, I think, it, I think Ron DeSantis meets all those criteria. So it'll be an interesting next two years. There's no doubt it's already kicked off with the Trump announcement. Greg Hines, thank you so much for joining us. Bill, Chris, and Alan will be staying with me in the second hour. But Greg, I certainly appreciate your comments tonight and taking a little time out of your Sunday to join us on Beyond the Beltway. This is Bruce Dumont's Beyond the Beltway, and we will be talking to you in the next hour. Thank you for joining us. Nice to talk. You bet. All right. Okay, guys, get ready. We're going to talk about FTX coming back after the hour. We're going to talk about that scandal because I am tired of the expert class screwing it up. <laughs> Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. 
Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces. Just by giving her a bear hug, she masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. This is Jeannie Ives sitting in for Bruce Dumont. He's on hi- hiatus. Bruce, we hope you get better really quickly. They're going to get tired of listening to me. They would rather have <laughs> you on. So in the second hour, we've got still with us Chris Cleveland. He's a conservative Republican and former head of the Chicago GOP. We've got Professor Bill Enright. He is a professor at the College of DuPage in polyscience. And we've got Alan Skillicorn. Alan Skillicorn resides in Arizona. In full disclosure, Alan and I served together in the Illinois State Legislature uh, uh, when he was here at that time. So we've been talking a lot about uh, the the topics of the day. We, I definitely want to get into the FTX scandal. I think it's another one of those where the expert class has largely failed to do their job. And uh, the, the investor class certainly got taken for a ride by a kid who's under the age of 30, or at that time when he started it. He's now, I think, 30. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Bill and I were having a side conversation along with Chris here in the studio. And I think it's important to, to still look at this topic and that being the topic of the economy. And you had some good points that you were bringing up, Bill. While the economy did pull quite, uh, quite high, that was the primary reason people went into the voting booth. Boy, did they, they voted for more inflation then. Yeah. I mean, they didn't really change the, 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 the direction of the Senate at all. The House is very narrow wins. And, um, you know, if you didn't like the economy and you didn't like high gas prices and you wanted energy independence, I don't see any of this changing uh going forward yeah well i think one of the things that we talked about is of course the economy is a big issue for most people just about all the time and this year was inflation but at the same time unemployment's also at 3.5 percent and so Mm -hmm. people have jobs people who are faced with this high inflation have work and oftentimes have been getting some sort of pay raises and sort of not keeping up with inflation, but trying to keep up with inflation in some of those jobs. And so when those people did get to the polls, they weren't saying, you know, I'm out of work, my brother's out of work, my kids are out of work. 
everybody's working. If you had it, if you wanted a job, you could get a job. So I think that like certainly is always the case for people going out to vote, whatever their personal situation is. And if it was eight percent unemployment, this would have been a totally different midterm election. Uh, Chris Cleveland, do you agree with that assessment? You know, I do. But what happened to it's the economy, but, stupid? But I mean, from, from a from a political perspective, you have to do more than just complain. And you know, you could look at you could look at inflation. And a lot of people would just look at it like the sun rises, the sun sets. It's the weather. What could we possibly do about it? And we didn't hear a whole lot from Republicans on what they would do specifically to bring down inflation. They could have said, "Let's get spending under control and not start, you know, stop printing money and throwing it off the buildings the way the Biden administration did and the Trump administration uh, before that." They could have said, "Well." Gas prices are high. Why don't we actually build that pipeline and start actually, you know, doing a little more uh, drilling here um, and all of the above strategy? I didn't hear a whole heck of a lot about that. Again, you know, hey, maybe the gas prices are because of Ukraine. Maybe it's Putin. You know, maybe it's just Venezuela or the or the, or the Soviet. So, you know, we need to know exactly what to do about the economy. And without Republicans actually saying that. How do they earn a vote? Well, it's a good point. Alan, uh, I want you to weigh in on this. I mean, when you actually add up the numbers and you look at, um, you know, Trump's, um, uh, let's see, Trump's CARES Act, $2 billion. His phase four COVID relief was another nine, I'm, I'm sorry, trillion. $2 trillion. His phase four COVID relief was another $900 billion. I mean, he spent about $3, three trillion himself. And then when you look at Biden spending, in the same time frame, and I'm including his little give out to uh, the chip manufacturers, you're looking at about three and a half trillion dollars. Does anybody in e any party care about spending? And what would it matter if if Republicans had said we're going to uh, open up the key XL Keystone pipeline? They can't. They don't control the presidency. Uh, Alan. Yeah, legislatively, there's some action they could have taken, though, and the president will be forced to veto it. And that's one thing. But here's the we were talking about this last hour. This program, you know, the, uh, the group of us, we're policy wonks. And the average person votes on, uh, you know, how they feel about someone, if they like them or not, especially in this day and age of mass mail in balance. Uh, people that are very interested in politics, people who are very interested in policy. They'll talk about Keystone, they'll talk about inflation, they'll talk about spending, they'll talk about all the spending that was in the Trump administration, and then how it was magnified by four, five, six times in the Biden administration, how that has caused this inflation. But regular people, less interested people, the people that are getting ballots showing up in their mailbox, they're going to vote based on personality. And and also, the, look at all the spending in, in these political ads. I mean, Democrats swamped airwaves, uh, blew uh, Republicans out of the water, and, of course, they go, well, the Republicans are evil, and this friendly Democrat over here doesn't say anything, but they're nice. I'm going to vote for them. And that, that has definitely changed things, and this changed this election. So, yes, they did vote. To, you know, look, the Democrats have a stronger majority in the U.S. Senate, and if, if, if at this point in time in you know, Georgia, we don't know which way that's going to go. Uh, frankly, I'm not very likely. I, I don't think it's going to go our way because uh, of all the people are going to come there. They're going to come to their campaign. They're going to register to vote. So you have thousands of campaign workers registering to vote and voting. Uh, it's going to be a mess, and I can see that actually expanding the majority in the Senate. Uh, and now, obviously, the House will be a check on that, uh, and there will be gridlock because of that. Uh, but 
you know, this is a new day and age, and we have to really uh, identify and deal with the fact that less interested people are going to decide the elections. So we have to, you know, instead of uh, talking mainline policy, we've got to be likable. Well, woof. Okay, wow. Um, everybody needs to go to charm school if you're running for election. <laughs> Apparently that's the way forward, uh, I, I guess. I don't know. By the way, our phone lines are open. It's 1-800-723-8289, 1-800-723-8289. Uh, please weigh in on this conversation. There's a lot to be said. I don't know, though. I'm, I'm a little bit pessimistic about things getting better for the average consumer. Right now we know consumers are relying on credit cards to get by. Uh, apparently, total credit card debt is up to $930 billion in the third quarter, just shy of an all-time high record, according to a new report from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And credit card balances climbed more than 15% from the, a year earlier, the largest annual jump in more than 20 years. So with prices more than 8% higher than a year ago, it's perhaps unsurprising that balances are increasing. And, of course, they're paying massive amounts of interest on that, upwards of 19%. So I don't know. I mean, will will what has to happen for people to not look at personality and instead look at policy? Is it we have a we have a massive education problem in my opinion. We have a, a lot of lower lower information voters, and that, that doesn't mean that they're a lot of them are disinterested. They we need to get them interested, in my opinion, if we're going to work on policy and not personality to make sure that we have a secure nation going forward. Yeah, um, um, probably take more political science classes is my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, people get their political news from The View. Uh, the fact that The View is still on television tells you that our electorate is not smarter. Okay, all right. Well, that wraps up this first segment. We will be back with you after this break. Thanks a lot. Hold on. Our phone lines are open, 1-800-723-8289. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. 
Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and Ad Council. All right. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Beltway. I'm Jeannie Ives sitting in for Bruce Dumont. And we were just talking about the economy and its impact on the elections. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to be said here. Uh, it appear, appears that there's going to be the Christmas, the, the, the stores are going to be full for Christmas, though. That's what I'm reading, at least. It looks like um, after two years of disruption, supply chains are almost back to normal. That means shelves should be fully stocked and some prices actually will be lower this holiday season. Uh, you know, Chris, you were just commenting that, that, as far as you know, shipping containers are available plentiful. now. Yeah. Okay. The, the cost of shipping something from China to the United States has fallen. It was, it was quite high before. Well, that's got to make people optimistic. I think last Christmas, I think it was a matter of was there going to be anything on the shelves and whether or not uh, that. So is the supply chain sorting itself out here? Are people feeling like they can go to the store and they'll at least see product? Yeah, uh, I think what's really happened is everybody pre-ordered, all the retailers pre-ordered, got everything in, and they're like, we're going to wait and see how Christmas goes, and then we'll figure out if we're going to order more afterward or what our supply looks like. And so I think it's already been done for Christmas, and that's why these shipping containers are available. And I think the price went from 10000 to 40000 and now it's back down to like 12000 So it's been like a huge jump and drop in container prices. But what's going to be really interesting at Christmas time, though, is the labor shortage. Because right now it's really tough for businesses to hire. I mean, you see the shelves that are, you go to the store, the shelves are messy, they didn't get somebody to straighten it out. It's very difficult to supply people for doing this sort of work. And what's going to happen in a month when we're in the middle of the Christmas season, or less than a month, and they can't staff these places. Well, especially when it comes to the restaurant industry, because the holidays are a prime time for people to get together with family and go out to restaurants, and we need a good supply of labor. Alan Skillicorn, 
Does that mean we need 18,000 illegals coming across the border to supply the labor for our economy? We have not talked about this topic. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but an illegal immigrant can't work in the United States, can they? Hmm. Um, now, someone that asks for, um, you know, they, they come here under the illusion uh, that they're going to be granted asylum, uh, they can be issued a green card, but, um, you know, what are the rules to that? I mean, is that's up in the air, right? Do they have to wait for their hearing uh, to see if they get an asylum, to see if they get a green card? Uh, that, that hearing with 18,000 people coming across the border today, uh, that, uh, that hearing could be five years from now. Uh, so, the, you know, I, I could see the Biden administration trying to push through some radical uh, automatic green card for anyone who steps on uh, United States territory. Um, that, that could be a possibility, but will, that, will the courts hold that up? That's a good question. Uh, and we were talking about a workforce that, you know, may not be educated. I mean, uh, you know, the, that, that would be very you know, I mean, sh shocking. Um, and who is pushing for stuff like that? Is it the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, that wants that? Uh, you know, that, that could be for just cheap farm labor. Uh, but for, uh, you, know, you know, maybe some restaurants, stuff, but from this normal staffing of big box stores, I don't think that's going to be the case. And, and I will admit, the local big box store, the lawn and garden area is moved outside, uh, and I, I can't get any lawn and garden stuff because, you know, we still are in lawn and garden season here. Hmm, that is different. Uh, well, on that immigration issue, definitely Chuck Schumer proposed amnesty for 11 million illegal immigrants. And I, I think he's talking about the previous cohort that we think is about 11 million illegal immigrants. But certainly under the Biden administration, you've had 5 million come in in just the two years. It's now projected at 18,000 a day. You're going to have 6 million illegal immigrants come into the United States. Is this good or bad long-term for America, Bill? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, we do have to, like, consider that we're going to need immigrants long-term because we've got a demographics issue starting to build in the United States where our generations are getting older, but at the same time, and, you know, if you look at some other countries, you know, maybe Italy or Japan, they've got it really bad, and they don't have any way to fill those immigration spots. But for us, we will need those, but it needs to be some sort of a legal process, and we need to, like, somehow or another try to control what's going on at the border. And so, you know, I'm not exactly sure even what the, what the answer is to that, but... Uh, at least trying to get some to stay in Mexico during the time would be at least a help, and maybe that would slow things down a little bit, but I'm not sure even how to deal with the border. So, um, Alan, uh, you are a resident expert here on this, actually, because you, you live in Arizona. We've spoken about this before on one of my podcasts, and um, you, you had a lot to say about it, but it is interesting. So it looks like Rule 42, which allowed the Biden administration to actually kick some folks back immediately across the border for health uh, reasons, that rule's going away. It looks like Remain in Mexico, the Mexican government wants nothing to do with that either. We are going to have unfettered illegal immigration across our border, and it doesn't appear that the party in power wants to do anything about it. Now, Carrie Lake made this a huge part of her election initiative that she was going to seal the border, immediately declare it an invasion at the border. Uh, what are Arizonans feeling about this particular topic? And will this, if this continues, do you project that it will be uh, a, an issue in 2024? It's been an issue, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's been an issue in every election. It just hasn't been the deciding issue. Does it come to a tipping point? 
I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to be a top 2024 issues. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, there is a great injustice of what's happening on our border. Uh, you know, you have, and, and I don't think the rest of the United States realizes just the sheer numbers of people coming across, uh, the social needs. I mean, it, you know, we, we have families uh, and we have dozens of families that are coming across the border that have immediate needs. They need water. They need blankets. They need housing. Uh, this stuff isn't just going to pop up and show up uh, immediately. Um, this is a big, big deal, and there is uh, a real human rights and human justice tragedy uh, that, unfortunately, the current administration has just buried their head in the sand, uh, and it, it is wrong. I mean, I know I've talked to you on, on your other uh, podcast about the rape trees that exist out in the desert uh, in Arizona, where you have uh, torn women's underwear in the trees because it's a, a trophy, uh, because the coyotes that take these families across they literally rape the women every single evening uh you have uh, ru46 uh, uh uh pamphlet or pamphlets not just pamphlets but the containers littered thousands of them littered in these areas uh, and that is the morning after uh, a rape uh, uh, you know drug uh that's the morning after abortion pill uh and the women will stock up on these before they go across the border because they know that's going to happen every single evening uh the the cartel runs the borders uh, the, it's a very big business. I mean, uh, the Border Patrol tells me that they make more money on uh, shielding, uh, getting people across the border than they do on drugs. Uh, so that really incentivizes them. And it's not Mexico. A majority of people are not coming from Mexico. And I actually believe there's still a treaty involved with, the, uh, with people that are Mexican nationals, how they, they go back. It's the people that are outside of Mexico. So literally, they're, they're, uh, the cartel targets these middle-class communities uh, in Honduras and other, and other Central American countries and said, hey, it's so much better up here. Uh, there's social welfare. There's all these opportunities. And then they, for a fee, of course, they take them across the, uh, the, the, uh, the desert and the border, and they just drop them off here. And, you know, whatever harm comes to them, they don't care. Little, little baby children are found uh, e either dead or near death out in the desert uh, because they don't care. Uh, they're just taking these kids out. And sometimes a family uh, will be offered money to take a child across because if uh, they, because they don't separate children from parents, they can have people that, that are not biologically related to this child. And the family that, that, that Central America just wants an opportunity for their child, and they, they give it to the coyotes, and uh, this child is sometimes abandoned. Uh, when they're not doing well out in the desert. It's, it's just an injustice, and uh, the current administration has their head in the sand, uh, and it is uh, unethical and immoral, uh, and it's just plain wrong. And if more people see this, their eyes will open and know that we have to act. Oh, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking what they're doing to, to individuals. Uh, I mean, Chris, I mean, look, Chicago's a sanctuary city, and Illinois is a sanctuary state, and you've got multiple ones, uh, other communities that are similar to this. Uh, but, you know, can we handle them even? In Chicago, they're, they're busting them up. I think they've had at least 3,000 come up from border towns up to Chicago just be dropped off. They've been dropped off in the suburbs. They're coming into the school systems. There's a price for this for everybody. Yeah, I mean, for political reasons, the leadership, now the support for uh, the, the people who are here illegally and you know, they should be not be treated poorly and, and so on but they're not interested in the humanitarian aspect of it they're not interested they they call greg abbott 
the the governor of Texas a uh, racist for trying to bus some of them to places like you know Martha's Vineyard and, and elsewhere um, that might actually have the facilities uh, for these people. And even Chicago, yes, they got a hotel and sent them to, to Burr Ridge because they didn't, didn't want them in, in Chicago. So what we have is a big disconnect between the rhetoric of the Democrats and their actual level of compassion for these folks. Perhaps if they were a little more compassionate, they would try to discourage them for coming until we actually had a place for them. Yeah, it's just another example, I think, of the failure of our expert class and the bureaucrats who are running the country uh, to do their job. It's illegal for a reason. It's, e it, it, it's illegal immigration. Nobody's enforcing the law. There's, a, there's this whole lawlessness that is going on. I want to get back to that topic. We're going to kind of delve into the FTX thing, which I've been promising listeners for a while that we're going to talk about the FTX scandal. I think this is a huge deal, and, uh, and, and it just goes to the again, to the failure of these people who think that they know it all. I want to talk also about the investigations now that have been opened up on Trump and those that are planned to be opened up by House Republicans now that they have control. We're going to talk about corruption and all of that when we get back. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Beltway. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance, early and often, on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations as well as how and why as a young person they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, 
your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. It's Jeannie Ives sitting in for Bruce Dumont. And again, the number here is 1-800-723-8289. 1-800-723-8289. Call in and weigh in on the discussion. Uh, uh, gentlemen, let's talk very briefly. <laughs> We've almost got competing investigations going in on. As soon as it was announced that the Republicans took the House, well, actually even kind of a little bit before that, they were teeing this up, you had uh, Jim Jordan. He's going to be in charge of the Judiciary Committee. And then Mr. Comer, he's in charge of, I think, the Investigative Committee. They're going to be opening up investigations prominently about Hunter Biden, his laptop, his, his uh, relationships in Ukraine and China and whatnot. Uh, and then as soon as Trump announces that he's running for president, the following day you've got the Justice Department start, uh, assigning a special counsel named Jack Smith to investigate Trump in terms of whether or not his uh, the Mar-a-Lago. Uh, let me just read this quick. Here, this is from New York Post, um, that he's been, he's been charged with following uh, the Mar-a-Lago classified document case and Trump's attempts to stay in power after the 2020 presidential election. So is this Attorney General Merrick Garland being political? Is this him trying to save some semblance of an investigation because the J6 committee is winding down? What is this all about? Chris Cleveland, let's go to you first. Well, first of all, thank God this man didn't make it onto the Supreme Court because he is an utterly, utterly cynical political hack in what he's doing here. I mean, what they did in Congress was they had this J6 committee, which was a witch hunt, okay? To be sure, they did some bad things on January 6th, but it didn't justify an entire year of, of investigations. They trumped it up way beyond anything it should have been. They were held accountable. They lost the House. And then so now quickly they're moving it to the other branch of government that they still control and can't be taken out of for at least another two years. So now we've got these, these independent councils, and they're going to keep the force going. Okay, looking at this bill, Bill, I mean, have you ever seen anything of this nature before with almost really cons competing investigations into uh, presidential potential presidential candidates in 2024 because that's what we have the investigation on hunter biden is really an investigation of joe biden and yeah. the investigation on this with the special counsel is really an investigation of trump they could be competitors on the 2024 stage for the highest position in the free world really 
Yeah, and, you know, fortunately, there's going to be a lot of lawyers who are going to make a lot of money, and we feel bad for the lawyers, so hopefully it works out for them. But they are <laughs> going to be hiring people to investigate on both sides, and when you take a look at some of these things, I mean, certainly there's some things that are, you know, have some sort of merit. We don't know why those documents were at Mar-a-Lago. We certainly don't know why Hunter Biden was hired to be on a board in Ukraine. And so, you know, there's certainly some, some things that have merit, but I don't know, like, if we need to have special investigations on all of these things. Maybe one person or two different people could handle those. And so I think that they're probably getting a little bit out of control and spending a lot of taxpayers' money, but that doesn't seem to matter to Congress. Well, arguably, uh, Alan, uh, what you've got here is they're really going after Trump for what could be minor infractions, for example. I mean, uh, not having proper documentation on documents that you held from your presidency is one thing. Uh, I think that the J6 has already been debated extensively, and even the J6 committee found no way to implement Im implicate Trump in having uh, stoked that sort of um, quote-unquote insurrection. Uh, so, but on the other side, you've got Hunter Biden, and you've got corruption that literally leads to the big guy, Mr. 10 percent, President 10 percent, uh, and it, you, you've got to, I mean, this is a huge huge issue of national security interest. Uh, they don't even compare in terms of investigations, and yet I think the Democrats are trying to gin this all up as a comp competition. Yeah, if you compare Attorney General Garland to Attorney General Barr, you know, look at that precedent. You know, Barr recused himself, and, and, and Garland is just going after uh, the president's political enemies uh, and shielding the president himself. Uh, that's a big deal there. And I think we will see more of these investigations, and especially we have divided government now. So you have a, a House representatives run by the Republicans and a Senate is run by the Democrats. Uh, what can they do other than investigate? Now, there is going to be a difference. We aren't going to see, uh, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop on CNN prime time uh, like you saw the, the J6 stuff. Uh, but you will see uh, Jim Jordan and the Republicans go after Hunter Biden. We're going to see an investigation of the banker man of FTX. You're going to see that. Uh, you're going to, you know, and, and frankly, I look at that. It's, it's almost like the Zuckerbucks of 2020. Uh, this FTX, uh, you know, connection here to the Democrats is, is going to be like the, the same thing in 2022. Uh, and you're going to see that. But that's going to be the big difference. The media is not going to cover it. It's going to be silent. You know, we're going to be watching it on C-SPAN instead of primetime. Well, that's very interesting because another thing that we need to have investigations about is all that COVID relief money. <laughs> Just billions upon billions of fraud. Uh, reading in this NBC article, um, so it says that there's a, as much as 10% theft was handed out in the COVID relief plan known as the Paycheck Protection Program on top of 90 billion to 400 billion believed to have been stolen from the $900 billion COVID unemployment relief program. We know it's estimated in Illinois it was over $2 billion in unemployment fraud. Both New York and California are saying it's $11 billion in unemployment fraud. You had millions of dollars that was sent to prisoners in the Biden COVID relief plan. They did that openly. That's not even corruption there. They did openly gave that to prisoners. I mean, the fraud is enormous. Nobody's watching out for the taxpayers. It seems like, and uh, you know, at some point, the people who do actually play by the rules are, are, are going to be sick of this. 
I mean, it, it, we're going to see investigations into fraud, right? We're going to see, hopefully, investigations into Anthony Fauci and, and what he did with, with COVID and the, the Wuhan the Virology Lab and our U.S. connection to there. These are, are these places the Democrats are not interested in going, or do they want to set the record straight, too? What do you think, Chris? I think the question answers itself. <laughs> I mean, so much of this is just purely politically driven, although there are some very, very serious issues within the bureaucracy. Um, you know, did the FBI actually become a political arm of, of the state in, in investigating and going after Donald Trump? That's, that's a very, very serious matter. Um, how much money was wasted during COVID? It's hard to say, but you know, as, as I often say, it, the real scandal isn't the illegal stuff. It's actually what's legal. Um, I know of people who had who took PPP money, did it legally. All they had to do is attest that COVID affected their business. Did it? Eh, you know, maybe not. But hey, free money. Why not? I couldn't do it, but I know a lot of others who did. You know, who's going to be held to account for that? I don't know. Yeah. So, um, so, Bill, yeah, I mean, t tell me about this. I mean, why do we not care about all this fraud? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I was telling you earlier that I was ground zero with this because my summer job was to bring students from China to do cultural tours in the United States. So, of course, that business ended abruptly, but I didn't get any PPP money or anything like that. And for the fraud, uh, you know, also, again, there's just so much money floating around. When you have this much money floating around, there's more opportunities for fraud. Like the spending in the $6 trillion that was spent on COVID, when you're talking about $6 trillion, there's just too much money out there that people are not going to take advantage of. Uh, well, no doubt. I mean, it, uh, or they will take, or they'll take advantage of. Yeah. Uh, right. So, uh, for example, we put up a $63 million hospital that serviced less than three dozen patients. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a different type of fraud. So that's like that's actually uh, the failure of the bureaucracy to understand what's going on. And uh, so, I, I mean, I don't know why taxpayers don't care about this. Alan, you are always a tax fighter. Is the, do you see the same sort of thing? I, I've got a great saying here. If the Fed's going to print money, why do we even pay taxes? You know, if they're just going to throw trillions out, why do we collect a single penny in taxes if that's how the system works, right? Uh, and, and that's the reality we, we deal with here uh, is that they just dump money. It, it, effectively, they're, they're, they're putting pallets full of $100 bills and B-52s and they're dropping it off across the country and letting the wind blow it around. Uh, that's what had this last this administration, and to a lesser extent, the, the previous administration also did it too. Uh, and, and that's this just a big problem. And you know, we say it's ten percent or something like that. There's got to be more than that. And I personally have taken a look at those PPP loans that have been uh, that have been forgiven. Uh, there's a website where you can look up the the money, and uh, there's a lot of familiar faces and names in those lists. Uh, I never took that. There's no way I could possibly do that uh, and look myself in the mirror. And and. I really wish more people would start looking themselves in the mirror and, and why they would go along with that. Uh, it's a trap, and uh, it is, it's just uh, you know something we do need more accountability for, but a lot of politicians are on that list too. And uh, you know, if the voters aren't going to hold them accountable, they're not going to hold themselves accountable either. Well, you, you know, my, whole, my hot button was always the student loan bailouts. 
I'm sorry. I don't want your students getting a bailout from me. Um, Bill, not interested in paying for their education. There's lots of other different ways to pay for education. Thank God the courts have so far, thus far, shut it down. However, there's a workaround. Uh, Biden is trying to just make it easier to discharge that debt in bankruptcy. That's still a problem as well because when the debt was taken out, it was not subject to such bankruptcy laws. That's a violation on the lender's uh, rights as well to recoup that. Okay, we are at the break time. Last topic will be FTX. How is it that a guy in t-shirts and shorts bamboozles some of the most sophisticated investors in the world and then ends up blowing it all in less than a week? We'll be right back. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So 
Welcome back to Bruce Dumont's Beyond the Beltway. Jeannie Ives here. Well, this is concerning. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be concerned about. First of all, the, the midterms will be written about and analyzed for a very, very long time. So will FTX. So will this crypto company run by a 30-year-old who basically just blew through $32 billion. And this, what's, this is what's alarming. This is from uh, the Wall Street Journal Friday's paper, uh, written by Gene Engelsham and Patricia Kausman. When FTX faced a liquidity crunch, the auditor of its U.S. unit seized the moment to promote its services for other crypto companies that were under the spotlight. It is a great time to remember uh, Armino, Armanino's LLP's specialized crypto assurance, the firm tweeted last week referring to a product that verifies customer assets held by crypto firms. When FTX's former chief executive, Sam Bankman-Fried, gave evidence to a congressional com committee in December, the firm cheered him on. Let's go, buddy, the firm tweeted. These are the auditors. These are the auditors. Now, the CEO who had to take over, John J. Ray, uh, he's helped apparently oversee some of the biggest bankruptcies ever, including Enron, said in a filing to federal bankruptcy court that he has never seen anything as bad in 40 years of restructuring firms. I, I don't understand it. I, I quite frankly can't understand how sophisticated investors, some of the biggest names in the industry, including uh, Sequoia Capital, which is related to the Chinese as well, I don't understand how they became so cozy with this 30-year-old and believed him that he knew what he was doing. It apparently was just an orgy of mismanagement, all done in the Bahamas, and nobody said anything? What happened to, if you see something, say something? <laughs> well, you know, if you, th if you think of, like, just crypto in general, there's no real regulation that's taking place in it anyway and then with them moving into the bahamas there's nothing else to do it but like some of those very sophisticated investors some of the things that they missed were they were using their own digital coin as collateral when dealing with loans that they were making and so like even if somebody had just even opened up the book for a couple of minutes and looked at some of the things that were taking place in there they would have been like oh my gosh there's no way we're going to do this where you're using 10 billion dollars of your own digital coin as collateral when you're making these additional loans that are out there and so there was no way that it was going to work it was just one big ponzi scheme which you could say for a lot of digital coins altogether but for this one, it was like such mismanagement. And really, they had nothing, they had no idea what they were doing. And for sure, the auditor didn't have any idea of what was going on with the books either. So do you think, uh, Chris, do you think uh, uh, some people are still bamboozled by the, you, you know, you had the Bill Gates who very early on didn't finish college, was a whiz kid, built a huge company, built Microsoft, whatever. Or you had um, Zuckerberg, right, you know, in college, builds Facebook. He's a wonder kid. Uh, is this a fascination of, like, I've got to be on the cusp of the next big deal, and people just thought that this uh, Sam Bankman breed SBF. was... SBF. SBF. I mean, uh, somebody else came up with something. Scam. <laughs> I forgot it was scam. Something. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, w what's going on here? Is Were they banking on something big, and they didn't look 
Well, I mean, who knows what they were thinking? It was probably just an expanded version of the greater fool's theory where, yes, we know perfectly well that this is a Ponzi scheme, but we're getting in at the right time and it will get out and greater fools will take the hit than us. Um, and also there's the appeal of it's a giant casino. You know, and, it, and if you've got more money than common sense, um, you know, you may as well gamble as long as the, the numbers are, are going up. It's not irrational to do so. And, unfortunately, sometimes you get a Mark Zuckerberg, a guy who walks around in sandals and a hoodie, really, truly making a many, many, many billions of dollars. So you can't ignore somebody just because of the way they look or their, or, or their age. But what you really need is some kind of regulation. And this is a really hard industry to regulate. And it's been hard for, for, for decades and decades and decades. You know... I mean, after, after the, the crash of 1929, they put in the Glass-Steagall Act, which said that there had to be a separation between banks and the kind of investments that banks would actually engage in. Because they realized that when banks started gambling with other people's money, that the bank could fail and there would be a run on it and you'd end up with the Great Depression, which, which we did. So they put this in place. And then it got eroded over a period of decades and eventually repealed in, in, in 1999. And then we had the, the crisis of 2007-2008, the housing crisis. Mm-hmm. And people realized, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't have gotten rid of Glass-Steagall. We need to put something else in. So, so they put in Dodd-Frank. And the way they did that was it was an 800-page bill with incredible con- complexity and paperwork burdens. And it was a freaking nightmare. And now that's slowly being eroded. What do we do? I mean, do we put in huge bureaucracies to try and uh, to try and do this, or do we put in simple rules and actual competent people at the SEC and at the the various um, commodities trading uh, regulatory agencies? Or do we let the free market work? Alan Skillicorn, do we? Hey, you're an investor. You lose the money. Well, Chris, Chris puts, it, it? Yeah, puts a nail on the head there. Uh, you know, it is like Las Vegas, and frankly, you know, all this gambling is is just attacks on people who are bad at math, right? And they're greedy, and they'll do crazy things because of that. And frankly, the saying, the Sam Bankman Freed, I call him Sam, uh, the, the, the banker man, and anyone with the nickname banker man, you probably can't trust. Uh, and, uh, you know, because you don't have that, that scrutiny, things like this are going to happen. People get greedy. Uh, you've got the legislators, bureaucrats, uh, and the regulators that are probably greedy in, in on it also. So that's a big problem. Frankly, I think you do need to have a mature market of crypto. Uh, crypto will keep the, the Fed honest. Uh, you know, the Fed keeps printing money. You know, crypto is going to be a, a different alternative, and you can keep them honest. Uh, so there is a, definitely a need for it. Uh, but this is just a flash in the pan. And frankly, uh, I think this is how the market self-regulates to some degree. Uh, the one thing you better watch out for is that okay. this kid owned quite a few politicians. Yes, uh, he did. Also Alan, enables this. Alan, I apologize. We have to stop it there. We are out of time. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me on Beyond the Beltway. It's been a fantastic discussion tonight. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. To our listeners, we'll be back here next week. Thank you for joining us.
going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. We all have the ability to touch the lives of those around us. To someone going through a difficult time, a text, a call, or a visit can mean so much. Reach out to the veterans in your life today. Let them know they're not alone. One simple act can make all the difference. That's the power of one. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, visit VeteransCrisisLine.net for free 24-7 confidential support. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.